So our baseline forecast for the economy still doesn't have a recession in it. It's precarious. We're, we're on that border for sure. But with that, we see, for example, multifamily rents normalizing. We see office and retail kind of doing what they've been doing. Industrial seems to have a bit of a longer runway. We still see rent growth potentially double digits uh, for 2023. Good morning and welcome to Deconstruct, a podcast by The Real Deal. I'm your host, Isabella Farr. And I'm Susanna Cavanaugh. So just a little housekeeping before we start. Today's episode is our last before our holiday break. We'll be off for the next two weeks enjoying the season or, you know, trying not to stress about the season depending on the day. <laughs> but we will be back on Monday, January 9th with a look at the hot button issues for New York real estate heading into the new legislative session. January marks the start of Governor Kathy Hochul's first full term and real estate is bringing a host of tough decisions to the table from development incentives to tenant protections. But for today, we're taking our annual wide angle look at commercial real estate investment markets. So what trends drove investors in 2022? And if we pull out our crystal balls, how are the four major asset classes, multifamily, retail, office, and industrial expected to fare in 2023? But first, let's go over a few news items just for your consideration this week. Even as New York City Hall bumped the brakes on the viability of office to resi conversions last week, make sure to check out that piece. Two developers are moving forward with yet another financial district project. Right. I saw Nathan Berman's Metro Loft and Fortress Investment are nearing a deal to snag a stake of 85 Broad Street from owner Ivanhoe Cambridge. Yes. So at the moment, there are no incentives for these conversions in New York and zoning restrictions in most of the city's commercial business districts. They just really narrow the pool of buildings available for conversion. But in FIDI, the zoning is actually conducive. And Nathan Berman has said that for some properties, prices are already in a good spot. And he sees a likelihood that they will drop further. I also took a look at the investment firm CIM's group Opportunity Zone strategy last week. This was a very difficult story to report, I will say. It took a lot of, you know, searching through property records. When former President Donald Trump enacted legislation to create Opportunity Zones, which gave tax breaks to developers who invested in these low-income areas across the U.S. There were more than 8,000 of them. CIM realized that it already had a bunch of properties in these places, but those properties didn't qualify for the program. Under IRS rules, you had to have new investments to get the tax breaks. So essentially what CIM did was it created an Opportunity Zone fund and then sold some of their properties that they already had in these areas to their fund. And in some cases, they sold the properties for a profit. It was definitely a pretty niche story, but it was super interesting to get insight into their strategy since they're traditionally very, very press shy. Yeah. No, that story was so interesting. And the headline was really good. What was it again? Y yeah. CIM's favorite customer, CIM. Yes. Excellent. Okay, so turning to some bad news from Redfin, the housing market in 2023 is expected to be the slowest since 2011. That's coming off the Great Recession. 
So the firm's data turned out a few predictions. One, we should see around 16% fewer home sales nationally in 2023 than we did in 2022. The reason potential buyers will be squeezed by still high prices, still high mortgage rates, inflation, and recession. And the second prediction is that mortgage rates will eventually decline, but honestly, not by much. Going off of last week's numbers, rates were a little above 7%, and they should go down to an average of 6.1% in 2023, which is obviously still a lot higher than the rates that we saw in 2020 and 2021. Right. Those were hovering at like 2 to 3%. Mm-hmm. As we've covered, that difference does show up as a solid chunk of change for the home buyer. For example, a family who buys a $400,000 home at 5.8% compared to 6.5%. So that's sort of the drop that we're expecting in 2023. That family would save $150 per month on their mortgage payment. Right. That's not nothing. Mm-hmm. And Redfin's last prediction, this is actually a pretty big one, is we will see the median home sale price drop by about 4% in 2023. And that would be the first annual drop since 2012. So over a decade. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. And that could have bigger ramifications beyond the for sale market, because as we know, rents and home prices are correlated. So that transitions really nicely into our investment outlook for 2023. But first, let's hear a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Dotted, the all-in-one asset optimization platform that's empowered companies like Dogwood to grow their portfolio by 2.5x in just 18 months. See how Dotted can align your team and accelerate data-driven portfolio growth in leasing and beyond by going to Dotted.com, D-O-T-T-I-D.com. Okay, so let's start with a broad recap. In 2022, we saw the Fed recognize transitory inflation as lasting, and they instituted one of the most aggressive series of interest rate hikes in decades. Those rising rates drove up financing costs and fears of recession. And for commercial real estate, the impact has been, I mean, dampening, to say the least. Right. I think it's fair to say that across those four main asset classes, we've seen investors really take a step back to catch their breath and weigh their options. And overall, the outlook is that that uncertainty will last for a bit into 2023. Colliers surveyed investors globally about where they thought the capital values for assets would land next year, and almost 20% said they just didn't know. But one thing that did become more clear this week is that the slowdown in deals that we've seen over the past few months as rates have risen is probably going to last into 2023. So I was able to talk to Thomas LaSalvia, Director of Economic Research at Moody's, and he said j latest. Today, the FOMC raised our policy interest rate by a half percentage point. We continue to anticipate that ongoing increases will be appropriate. The worst pain would come from a failure to raise rates high enough and from us allowing inflation to become entrenched in the economy. I wish there were a completely painless way to restore price stability. There isn't. Doesn't really bode well for transaction volume. Deals are just not getting done unless we start seeing sellers bring down their asking price a bit, but they're very reluctant to do that as of right now because they're thinking still collecting pretty good rents. You know, NOI is fine for the most part. So I can sit on this asset, collect income from it and not take the haircut. And I have a belief that over the next few years, economy is going to bounce back and values would bounce back. So there's no reason to really sell. And I think that's really why we're going to continue to see sluggish capital market activity. 
But I also think it's important to note the strengths that are working to commercial real estate's advantage. So Franklin Templeton laid them out in a brief. One, labor markets are still strong. Two, corporate balance sheets are pretty healthy. And three, the banking systems are less leveraged than they were before the Great Recession. Right. And most asset classes do have low supply working to their advantage. We saw construction stop and then lag behind throughout the pandemic, which has created favorable supply-demand dynamics for investors. And there's a near record amount of dry powder sitting on the sidelines that wants to be deployed. That's also according to Franklin Templeton. Right. So let's just jump into the specific sectors. Multifamily first. Rents have skyrocketed. Vacancies are still at a five-year low. That's according to Moody's. But we have seen rent growth start to stagnate nationally as inflation weighs on tenants. And deals have sputtered as interest rates have risen and prices haven't really fallen. Yardy Matrix, however, has called the slowdown in rent growth seasonal. The firm is still projecting 3.5% rent growth for 2023. That's a slight drop from earlier projections of 3.7% growth, but more in line with pre-pandemic figures. During the pandemic, you know, there were some markets that saw 20% rent growth. Mm-hmm. The firm said that their new figure accounts for the likelihood of a mild recession. It also anticipates the housing market could continue to boost demand for multifamily. So if people stop accessing mortgages and buying homes, then they might turn to renting. So moving on to retail... That sector has had a pretty wild ride from 2020 through 2022. Yeah, so it goes lockdowns, variants, inflation, high gas prices, so a whirlwind. But despite those obstacles, the sector did pretty well throughout 2022. It didn't seem, at least until recently, like inflation was affecting consumers' willingness to go out and spend money. The idea being that people had saved up enough money during the pandemic to be able to weather higher prices. But new data last week shows the other shoe has dropped. Retail sales for the month of November expected to be down two tenths, triple that, down six tenths, down six tenths. That's the first minus number since July, but it is the weakest number since December of last year. It's still a bit early, though, to gauge how that might impact investment. Right. JLL called retail fundamentals rock solid in the third quarter as retailers opened more stores than they closed. Investment sales, though, like other asset classes, have slowed. But compared to office, industrial and multifamily, JLL found that retail saw the smallest decline in activity. Yeah, retail volumes fell like 9%-ish year over year. Um, And by comparison, the average decline among the other property types was 31%. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely a big difference. Yeah. But across the sector, multi-tenant retail, so think a shopping center with a handful of stores, really outperformed. JLL expects investment in grocery stores and other smaller format retail, those are little stores and big shops, to continue to expand in 2023. Basically, investors are looking for sustained demand and good prices in a high-rate environment. And as Francisco Alvarado discussed a few episodes back, grocery-anchored retail is one place to turn to. So let's go to industrial next. Bella, that's your beat. Can you give us just a gist of how gangbusters that sector has been recently? Yeah, so industrial investment was insanely popular in 2021. I had so many people tell me, you know, the asset class was sexy for the first time. (laughs) Interest rates were so low, firms realized that e-commerce was on the rise, and 
These companies needed warehouse space and there wasn't enough of it to meet demand. But that was also when interest rates were so low, historically low. Mm -hmm. So now there are less deals happening with interest rates higher. Buyers are sitting on the sidelines, but there's still demand for industrial supply is still not there. And vacancy rates are in the single digits in the top markets in Southern California. They're hovering over 1% in the Inland Empire, which is a big industrial hub. And e-commerce is still booming. It's expected to continue in 2023. J.P. Morgan's report, which cites a Moody's economist, said e-commerce should serve as a tailwind for warehouse and distribution properties for at least another 10 years. So broadly, it's looking strong. There are a few caveats to that. PwC reported that experimental retail has brought some of that sort of crazy pandemic demand we saw for online shopping down to earth. And interest rates are also affecting deals, as with other asset classes. JLL reported that the volume of industrial sales in the third quarter fell 36% compared to the previous year. But the expectation is as long as supply remains low and demand stays high, basically meaning as long as people keep shopping online, the fundamentals should remain strong. Yeah. I think it's worth noting that for most of these asset classes, we're basically waiting for rates to drop or prices to drop. So it comes down to the Fed reversing course at some point. Or as Thomas LaSalvia said, investors just getting used to a new normal. I think the market is going to have to adjust starting in the middle of next year. I have a feeling that we will start to see deal volume pick up a little bit more as prices maybe adjust a little bit, but also as investors find creative ways uh, to get deals done. It wasn't me, but there are a group of CRE stakeholders that were around in the late 70s, early 80s when rates, right? Fed funds rate hit 19%, right? And they were elevated for quite a long time and deals got done. Even in the early 2000s, financing rates were considerably higher than they were in the, the teens, right? In the last decade and deals were done. So... You know, the precedent's there. It's just a matter of a little shift in mindset and a little more creativity from the stakeholders within the industry. And let's wrap up with the ugly duckling of commercial real estate and the asset class that everyone is, you know, waiting to see what happens with the office building. JLL found office sales saw the steepest drop in late 2022 from late 2021, nearly 40% lower. Right. Yeah. Compared to those other asset classes. And looking forward, this is similar to the interest rate story, but no one really knows what's going to happen with these buildings. As it stands, most are still priced a little too high. Uh, Heinz talked about the stages of grief. Owners are going to be in various stages of grief, but the reality is many of these office buildings are not going to fill up with office tenants again. They're not ready just yet to drop their asking prices. Class A has continued to do well, meanwhile, and JP Morgan believes that the sector isn't dead. It's just challenged. The firm thinks that high quality spaces will continue to see demand from employers looking for shorter leases and flexible working spaces for their workers. Right. JP Morgan also wants its employees back in the office. <laughs> yeah, they're a little biased. Um, I think the key to office is when distress starts to appear. Trap hosted a webinar on that this week, and here's a little bit from that chat. One of the variables we've talked about through a lot of our research and publication is there's an inordinate amount of loans coming up for maturity in 23 and 24. So you couple maybe 
an extended period of rates being inflated to where they are now over the next 24 months with corresponding increase in the amount of properties uh, with maturing loans and a large portion of those in assets that are maybe a little bit out of favor based on the current economic conditions, you know, most notably office. And I think if we, you know, look at this distress chart over the next 12 to 18 months, we'll probably start to see some additional distress here. All right, that's all from us this year. Happy holidays, and we will see you in the new.